Hello, everyone. We are back. I am here with my lovely co-host, Sarah. And today, hello. Hello. today we are going to talk all about Sarah's story. <laughs> I that was a good intro. Yeah, I promised I would. I mean, you wanted it like that. So I was like, I can deliver that. Exactly. <laughs> I like doing that. I'm I'm not a musical person, but I like to pretend like I am. Sarah's story. I love it. I'll stop now. No, I love it. Keep going. Okay, yeah. Sarah's story. Yes, Sarah's story. So last week we talked about like, I I love the focus of the podcast because I feel like our conversations are very real and very raw, which I think is really important in order to be fully authentic. And also I feel as though many people, like our conversations resonate with them because we're all just real people walking down our own spiritual path and trying to navigate what that looks like for each of us. We're fully conscious yet at the same time, we slip into that like sort of illusion where we forget the fact that we're here and what is most important is this very moment. And before we started the podcast, Sarah led us in an awesome meditation. And afterwards it was like, I feel better. Like I felt good before, but I feel like I'm less irritated by my computer issues, you know, whatever, (laughs) like the little simple irritants. And it, it was like such a great meditation that made us, made me feel fully present. And I think like last week, yeah, like last week, our conversation was just kind of like what it is to be triggered and, and what it is to like navigate that and care for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think exactly to what you said and in regards to the meditation around the present moment, I think that is one of my biggest unlocks through my story. Yeah. Um, and I know we've we've spoke about it and I know on here we'll, we'll share it more on the podcast uh, around Dark Night of the Soul. Yes. Um, and I think for me, I would have, I would say that was a few years ago, probably now coming up to three years, two and a half, three years. Where at the time, I believed it to be my um, rock bottom. So it's a, I'd had multiple rock bottoms in my life. And I used to go dark night of soul, maybe becoming the decade. It's multiple you know, decades. But yeah. Multiple decades, <laughs> yes. exactly. It just felt and like my whole life was one dark night of the soul, to be honest. And there were little glimpses of light every now and again. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think as I reflect, it was probably everything that happens leads up to that moment. Whereas if I was to reflect back, um, I would always say one of my rock bottoms was my struggle with my eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Huge rock bottom of mine. Um, another rock bottom of having someone so close to me pass away, which was very traumatic to me. But actually, to your point of like this buildup of that dark night of the soul. Um, but this particular time where I thought it was my rock bottom, I was like, Everything I had tried to do in my previous wasn't working. 
Mm-hmm. My previous mindset of how to get out of the bottom is just one, prove to myself that I could, like I wanted to prove to the doctors during my eating disorder journey that I could do it alone. Yeah. Which is the common theme. So I'm like, I'll do it alone. And everything that I was trying to lean on, all of my habits, um, actually just intensified. So we talked about shopping as being yeah. a thing that we loved. Shopping. That just intensified. Yes. My need to numb myself with alcohol. It's like, I don't try and work with me here. When you just have to dial it up a little bit each time because it just doesn't start to ease the pain. And I guess it's a numbing, isn't it? Yeah, it's like the the what is needed to reach that level of numbness. Yeah. More and more is required each time. Exactly. So more and more was required each time. And I know we talked about New York. And at that point, I was two years in, maybe a little bit more. And I was working hard, yeah. going out a lot. And I think at the point, I remember it's a specific point in time where I, it's not even about that I had no energy left it was physically mentally spiritually emotionally I had zero to give I was relying on sleeping tablets I was relying on Xanax um, and I just was reflecting on the fact of where else do I go um, in my journey and I remember feeling in so much mental and physical emotional pain pleading with God pleading with the universe of you please help me because I actually take responsibility for I don't know where to go I have no idea what to do and I need some help to be able to to find my way out of such darkness and I know people talk about mental health struggles and it being dark and I don't know that words could comprehend if you've been there you truly understand the darkness is so heavy. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder like if this is, cause like, this is what I felt. Maybe it's the same as you. I just mm-hmm. felt like I had a, a, um, a darkness over me. Like I could not mm-hmm. find happiness. Like I didn't, anytime I felt a feeling of happiness, there was always something dark that would surface to kind of ruin whatever was happy. It was like always a feeling of guilt or, underlying sadness that would just was always present yeah. it was just like a level of guilt sadness thickness that was just consistently present with me no matter where i went and i had extreme like melancholy i was definitely yeah. like the kind of person who liked the darker things i liked the the songs that kind of were about sadness or betrayal or love. It was like, those things really resonated with me. And um, they're so like, I listen to them now and I can remember when I connected with those things and they were very dark. And I believe like love was painful, you know, like it was just like a different way of thinking, but it was, I couldn't shake it. Yeah. And and exactly to your point of like it being, like you can't shake it. It doesn't matter where you go or where you turn. It just is with you constantly. Even trying to sleep, there was no relief of right. getting sleep. Um, so it, it just, I felt so vulnerable. And I was actually, you know, when people say you live in a threat state, I honestly was terrified. I was terrified of what my mind and my thoughts 
were guiding me to do. I was terrified at the amount of anxiety that, like, uh, with the anxiety, I used to have blackouts. I couldn't remember. I was in such crippling anxiety. And I remember hearing this years and years ago where people say, I looked in the mirror and I did not recognize who I was. Yeah. And I rem- physically, like you'll see on my Instagram, the before and after, physically I didn't recognize myself. But it wasn't even just that. It's like when I would look in my eyes, I'm like, where are you? Like, who oh, are you? God. Yeah. Yeah. And I would cry because I'd be like, where have you gone? I, but I, the, the thoughts in my mind and the inability to just be calm, the inability to just relax, I, I couldn't figure it out. It was just complete. And I remember going to the doctor saying, I need you to help me calm my mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I was striving for. And that, yeah, so it got to this moment where I was pleading of, you've got to help me. I was leaning on my eating disorder again. That's what I tended to do. I'd go back to what I knew. What was your eating disorder? Um, It was anorexia and bulimia. Mm. Um, At that point, I'd lent into anorexia because it it was my safety at that time. Like I'm trying to survive. I'm literally feeling like I'm in a terror state. Um, But I, I sat with myself and knew like that didn't work. So I'm even more scared because I know the outcome of that not working. Mm-hmm. And we all know the outcome of that. It's a horrific mental illness. Um, and it got to the point where I was pleading and something inside of me was like, okay, I need to live for something or someone until I can live for myself. Because um, everything I had done, everything I tried to do was not working. And I'm willing to do anything. But I surrendered completely that I did not know how it was and I gave myself 48 hours and I was gonna I started on Monday Mm -hmm. I remember it being a Friday and it was just because I was you know when they I don't know if you've ever heard this where you're crying so loudly it's silent have you ever had that moment no I haven't heard that but I'm just trying to imagine what that feels like like it was so loud I was in the fetal position Mm. but it was silent yeah it was a and that's what I mean about trying to explain the surrender of I need help yeah I think it's um that surrender moment I mean I still experience that I I feel like not everyone but I think myself I struggle with surrendering (laughs) because it's um I think that the program that I live is very Mm self-reliant and so to allow yourself to just you know before we got on the podcast we were having a conversation where we said like you know it's in my mind that there is a way to do anything like there anything we want to do is possible right so I mean, it's the same thing, but not in that positive aspect. It's more like I can make anything happen. And I think that surrendering meant that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I was failing miserably and I was not proud of myself. Um, And we talked last week about my like surrender moment and I love like what you had said, if I can't do it for myself, give me some other 
yes or something else to keep going at it like keep trying for yeah and and i think and because a lot of it's it wasn't the point of um almost you know sometimes it can be an experience of oh live for others because they would be you know what i mean it was more of in that moment i think i shared like my niece um i'd see my niece and i was like Oh my goodness. It was just that pivotal moment of me super upset and then seeing her. And I was like, it was, again, I think divine timing of that happening. Where I was like, okay, let me do this for her until I can do it for myself. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I'm willing to surrender that of... I think it was also my instinct was like, that timing was interesting. <laughs> like, we're having a moment here, God. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. But I think a lot of parents probably do this. A lot of parents push themselves to be a better version of themselves for their children. You know, there's something magical with children that can be an extreme motivation if you allow it. Yeah. And that was it. That was to you. You just uh, explained that really well in terms of the motivator to do it and be that role model mm-hmm. uh, I just yeah I didn't know how and that's when I was like oh that was an interesting because it shifted my perspective completely it was instantaneous and it was mm-hmm. divine timing exactly um and then trusting okay I give myself 48 hours <laughs> I'm gonna start on Monday and I just rested I just slept and cried for the whole you gave yourself that that two days to feel what you feel and to grieve. Yes. I think just to, yeah. And just to like the amount of tears that were shed, I needed to just recover from that energetic. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being in the space of giving, asking for guidance of I'm willing to do anything that I needed to do. And I remember writing down a list of like unhealthy habits, healthy habits. So it was to the point of it's everywhere it talks about with uh, mental health is meditation. And I remember being like, I've tried it. I've kind of wanted to do it. But I was like, you committed, Sarah. I committed. So it became surrender, commitment, and then purpose. My purpose was to live for others until I could live by myself, but also to live, to feel calm and at peace. I wasn't chasing anything material. I was, I didn't care about any of them. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was chasing the feeling of inner peace. Yeah. And if someone says meditation does it, fine, I'm in. <laughs> so you actually committed to the meditation now, because I think that's, that's. Some- I committed to it. Mm-hmm. But with the grace and compassion, whereas before my mindset was, shaming myself like you've done it before why don't you just do it again just put your mind to it and do it and, but it was all like fear that based. critical that critical voice yes chiming in but that critical voice now i kind of sat with myself and said you're being really unkind to me right now yeah you're being really hard like no offense like i started talking to that side of my which is what meditation does but in that moment i think something had lifted me in an awareness to be able to say, hold on a second, you're being horrible to me now. Yeah. Um, maybe you just take a break. <laughs> yeah. And I trust, 
I trust in a bit of love and compassion for myself. Um, yeah, yeah, meditation, it, it does. It helps you become the observer. So yes. you're like, and that's what, you know, like when I refer to the illusion, like the illusion of life, it's like, we live in this illusion. We live in this, mm -hmm. like, where we forget. I don't know. Sometimes I like to imagine that I'm inside of my head. Like I can see through mm -hmm. my eyes, like I'm a little person inside of oh, my that's interesting. like a little movie theater looking through my eyes. And I realize that I'm a part of some kind of system, like an yeah. system, but I'm also something else inside. Mm -hmm. And this thing that I'm inside and packaged inside of has a way of thinking and speaking. Yes. And also a way of speaking to like, not just other people, but also to myself. That isn't really me. It's no. just like I can witness. I'm in the witness chair, like within the movie theater in my head, <laughs> in my Being mind. Being able to observe it. Out yeah. of my eyes, like it's a movie screen. And sometimes I'll meditate and just imagine that. And I, I will even sit and just look around the room. Like it's an exercise that I yeah. do where I'll sit here and I'll just look around the room and observe everything that's around me, realizing that I am inside of this thing that's seeing all of this. Exactly. Like I'm not necessarily this, but I'm inside of this thing. And this thing has a, a program that is very critical, but can also be very loving too. But it's trained my your program's critical. My program is to be is to criticize, you know. Exactly. I realize like I did a riff a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago on judgment and where judgment comes from. Like walking down the street, I'm judging other people, I'm judging myself. Where does this judgment? I'm judging myself, judging other people. Yeah. Where is this <laughs> judgment coming yeah. from? You know, this judgment is coming from fear somewhere mm -hmm. inside of me that you know, and I've heard people say, oh, when you're judging someone else, it's because you have that same judgment with yourself. Yes and no. I think, yes, I, I feel like that is not explained clearly enough sometimes because it's oversimplifying. Because yes, when you judge someone else, it doesn't mean you have that same fear and judgment within yourself. Like, oh, you couldn't love yourself if you did that. I feel more like you're in the energy and vibration of judgment when you're allowing yourself to practice that with other people. So it's only inevitable that you would be in the energy and frequency of judgment for yourself. 100%. Yeah. It's not like, I think two can exist. There yeah. is a piece to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a little more complicated than just like, I wouldn't love myself if I, like if I see someone, I mean, it's, it happens. If I see someone doing something that I think they didn't really think about what they were doing and they did it and it's kind of like, whatever, it's like rigged, it's not the right way. Like they could have just, try it a little harder and push something yeah. in, push the door in or put whatever, you know, like any little thing. And I'm like, Oh, well, who did this? Da, 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 you know, whatever. It's not that I would not like myself if I did that. It's more like I'm very being very critical. I'm in the energy and frequency of being critical. So that is, those are the lenses I'm wearing. And if I, the more I do that, the more I'm doing it to myself. Exactly. I know that something might have triggered me into that energetic yeah. space. So have I just not become, was I sub subconscious in that moment? 
that some wo- something has triggered me to get to that state that now I'm projecting it onward. Right. I'm wanting to be in that space. The hen or the egg. Was I yeah. <laughs> on myself and then that gave me the lens to look at the world critically or was I looking at the world critically and now I'm criticizing myself? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, so that was very critical. My mind was... So I, I, and again, I just leaned in with the trust um, of I was willing to do whatever it took, but this time we're not going to do it out of fear and trying to prove something to anyone. We're going to do it with compassion and also slowing down. I needed to figure out how to slow down time because the thought of the following day terrified me. Mm -hmm. So I literally put a timer on for a minute Mm -hmm. and it just becomes that put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped me and I'm like holy shit that minute was good okay let's go for another minute and then sometimes when I would get severely anxious in that minute I just again it's practicing mindfulness in the present moment I would bring all of my ad- energy and attention into that moment and the minute passed quicker and I was like oh wow maybe there's something about this yeah present yeah. moment And I was like, okay, this, you know, and again, now that I look back, all of these, it's guidance. It's that inner guidance that was um, moving me through that journey. Mm -hmm. That was, there were so many moments, like the the cool light bulb moments, but I remember thinking, wow, that's so interesting. And another thing that happened, which maybe at one point we'll have to post this, but I fell on ice. Mm -hmm. I got out of a car and I fell quite badly on ice on my hip. It's quite funny to visually watch me fall. And then I try to get back up again and I fall again. Oh, I've done that on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> you know that feeling. Like, I mean, how do you get back up if you have like. Yeah, you just keep slipping. Um, but it didn't hurt at the time. And then I went for a run the next day because I was always doing cardio, which now with someone who had anxiety, was probably not the best yes. state of movement, flushing cortisol 24 7 now. Uh, but I went for a run the next day and then I just, I couldn't walk. I, I clearly injured my hip. And then I had to do, you know, you do the, the therapy, the physical therapy, the ice. And I was like, what, my perspective of what if I looked at my mind and my brain the same way I look at my hip and just look at it like I'm healing my brain. Mm, wow, that was good. But I'm like, if I didn't fall on that ice at that time, in that moment and I'm like okay that was pretty good that timing was not for my hip at the time but I'm thankful for it because it was it's resolved but my perspective was like I'd never looked at my brain health in that way and I'd never looked at and then I think I was listening to a Jay Shetty podcast at the same time that was talking about brain health you see how it was all yeah 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 yeah. it all comes together um so then I just started to move my perspective of okay we're healing our mind and we're healing the program Mm -hmm. and it started to shift um and I remember one of the first things I did in my journal this journal I'll never get rid of because I think it's pretty profound yeah one of the first things I did it was journal questions why am I so hard on myself why do I feel like I failed why do I have such dark thoughts? What do I want to escape? Mm. 
and I'm like meditating on these moments, these um, journal prompts, and it, that's when I realized the power of meditation, of the ability to slow down my mind and really go inward. And that guidance started to kind of amplify. Was it the same for you? Yeah, it, I yeah. mean, I think that there was a lot of guidance that started surfacing. Like the first moment that I had, and if I ever published my book, it's in there, but I talked when, <laughs> when I published my book, I have to figure out how I want to do this. I, that's the thing. It's just like put on the shelf for a little while. But um, I remember um, I came home very drunk and I was, you know, I came home very drunk. I walked up five flights of stairs. I have no idea how I did that because I lived on a fifth floor walk up and I must have gotten on my computer. I broke my computer screen and passed out. I really don't remember much. I vaguely remember like falling, like falling, like towards my kind of like, um, I had a trunk with books stacked up on top of it, falling towards that, which is where my laptop was. And then I woke up the next morning, severely hungover and really depressed because I realized how much alcohol really fucked with my brain chemistry. Now I realize it, but back then I didn't. So it was like constant, constant brain chemistry alteration, you know, because it lasts yeah. days, you know? And, um, and I did not realize that, but the next morning I woke up and I just felt total shit about myself, but the voice was there. The voice was there that said to, get on Craigslist and look for a job in a yoga studio, like doing okay. work study. So cleaning the bathrooms, cleaning the yoga mats, cleaning the floors, registering the people in exchange for free yoga classes. And um, I could see a little portion of my screen, some miraculous way yeah. to figure it out. And then, and this was before did I have an iPhone? I don't think I had an iPhone. I did. I definitely did not have an iPhone then um, because I would have used my phone. But and then I found the studio and I called them and I came in um, the very next day and I was still somewhat hungover. Um, and the you know what the beautiful thing was here is the beautiful thing. And I don't I did not include this in the book. I did feel miserable about myself. But when I went to the studio, the owner of the studio was a beautiful person. I come back. I'm like, this feels good. This feels right. I'm standing there at 14th Street Union Square Station waiting for, yes, the L, because I was going to take that to first. I lived off First Avenue. And uh, I see someone I knew in Bushwick who worked on computers. And he, I didn't know he worked on computers, but he was like, hey, Christina, how's it going? I'm like, hey, what's up? I said, I just came from this yoga studio. I'm going to start working there. And I was like, you know, I broke my computer a couple days ago. I'm just like, I you know, we were just catching up and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. He's like, Oh, I could change out your, your screen for you for 50 bucks. And I was like, oh, shut up. What? So he's like, yeah, just drop it off at the coffee shop. And then, you know, I'll fix it and I'll bring it back to you the next day. And I'm like, Oh my God, you were God. How cool is that? Like, I pretty much probably just had $50 for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and he fixed it. And then I was, had a computer screen, you know, like exactly. my, it was all fixed, but it was again, a moment of divine timing. And it was like yeah. my inner guide telling me to go to the studio, find a studio. First of all, the fact that my inner guide was telling me to do this and then I find it there and then I go 
-hmm. And then I come back and then I meet the friend that I haven't connected with in probably like a year or two since I moved out of Bushwick into the city, run into and he fixes my computer for $50, you know? So it's like, and there have been many of these moments that have happened after that, but it's like listening to that intuitive voice. And, and yes, meditation does open it up for you. Yeah. And trusting it. Um, and there's something calming in that inner voice that also my perspective shifted with, okay, I'd achieved quite a lot with my mind alone and fear. I'd recognize that. It's like, okay, we've lived a lot through fear and anxiety and achieved quite a bit. What if I leaned into this guidance and trusted it, but, you know, worked on that mindset? I'm like, that's going to be fucking powerful. Yeah. Like, because I can do it with fear. I burnt myself out too much. But imagine it being done with love and peaceful and it not being so hard. So the thought of that, the thought that that was possible is also what was a like it was a big driving force in my purpose because there was something in me that believed that that both could exist even though at the time my body didn't feel that way my body my mind did it my soul was telling me two things can exist I'd never felt it before but I was excited to get that it just what happened was the discipline and the accountability from my end of showing up every day with grace with compassion and with love just keep showing up every day um, with the belief that that's where we're going to get to. How did you motivate yourself to show up? I think I, again, being able to slow down and just ask myself and be honest with myself. And I think the number one thing that happened that allowed me to be that honest with myself was that at the time of the, the moment of divine timing where I was like, oh, I want this is, it's not happening. I don't know how to do this. A few, like a few weeks later, it was like, well, how did you contribute to this? That thought that like, I meditate. You yourself. Like how, yeah, I like inwardly was like, yeah. how did you contribute to this? Uh, when I tell you, my ego was like, I didn't do anything. This <laughs> is not my fault. And I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. It might, like, I get it and the compassion and empathy, but sitting with myself and taking accountability and responsibility for the choices and the consequences to that with mm -hmm. compassion that I, there is, it's complex. It's not just one or the other, but whether or not this was the point, whether or not it was my fault or someone else's fault, I am the only one that can step forward and heal. And that, I think that's a huge realization is because yeah. no one can step forward and guide you to healing nope. necessarily I mean you can nope. have people along the way that can help and assist but you have to do that for yourself yeah but that was a tough moment that was a battle of my to sit and be like no you're you know we've made some choices here yeah um and that so to your question is the discipline the accountability was when I'd wake up and I'd committed to my purpose of yoga at the time it was reading a book it was meditating it was taking a bath depending on how I felt is it who's who's leading here is it the future Sarah oh. or is it the Sarah of the past if it was the Sarah of the past I'd be like well we know where you led me with all love and compassion 
Yeah, yeah. But the Sarah, the future is we're moving forward now mm-hmm. and it's going to be fine. Um, I like that you ask yourself, like, who's leading? Is it the Sarah of the yes. past? Yes. The future. Because some days I was exhausted and then I'd say, who, who is, is it, am I genuinely exhausted where I need to rest? And I, because I don't believe in like pushing yourself just because I said I'd do something. And I think this is where shame happens. I'm going to go to the gym six days a week and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then you don't do it. It becomes, fuck it. I'm not doing anything. It's like a, honestly, I feel like that's a tricky one because I feel like sometimes if we grow up kind of like abusing ourselves, yeah, really easy. Like we don't, it's hard to assess. Is this self-abuse? Like, are we pushing ourselves even when we're exhausted or is this being a procrastinator? You know, it's like, I feel like that's yeah. a difficult area for me because in one case it's like, like I caught a bug this week and I was like, not feeling good. I slept in, like I pushed my snooze alarm. That never happens to me really. unless I'm not feeling well. Like I'm not a snooze push, push. Yeah. I just get up at five. I get up, I get my coffee. I change in my clothes and then I go to the gym. Now, if I'm not feeling good and I'm hitting the snooze, which is what has happened for the last, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, today's Tuesday, Wednesday. So last two mornings, um, and just feeling exhausted and not feeling well, like having this bug, um, I can, that critical voice can go off. Like, are you really sick? Are you just trying to pretend to be sick? So you don't go to the gym. It's like, I'm used to, there's a part of me that is accustomed to, I'm not used to it, but is accustomed to speaking to me in that way and criticizing me and, and judging me you know, for my choices. And then it's like trying to balance that. Like, am I, I'm doing this because I'm not well. It's clear that I'm not well because I push this. Like, do I need to prove to myself in some way? I can just not be well, you know, like and need the extra, you know. And does, how does that, does that work for you in that moment? I think so. But then there's a part of me that's always like, oh, you know, well, other people think that I'm lazy, you know, like there's always this, this kind of thing going on and I have to constantly check myself, you know? Yes. You know? Yeah. I did not let one thought go unnoticed. Yeah. I, I'm aware. I'm aware. And I'm, but it's still a battle of that to your point, the subconscious program of saying, it's not enough. Are you really sick? Are you just lazy? Yeah. I did like in, on my journey, I did get some help from an amazing hypnotherapist that, do you remember that darkness, that just feeling of like something was always like a sadness over me. He, we did a lot of work where we went back into the past and we resolved, like we went back into my past memories and I brought myself now into that memory to help me heal yeah. those memory, those memories and change those memories to where it wasn't like a feeling of loneliness or a feeling of a- abandonment or neglect or things like that. I proved to myself, not proved to myself, but I showed to myself, I rewrote my memory to recognize oh, the event. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To recognize that I was always there for myself yeah. in some oh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And it was very powerful because that's what I think that darkness was. That sadness was a feeling of abandonment. And it wasn't because I was abandoned by 
father, fam, like family, stuff like that. It was abandonment of through the lack of awareness that I, my soul, my higher self was there. And then my physical self was there. And it was like my physical self abandoned my higher self. I mean, I was a child, so I didn't know what was happening, but it was like attached from the soul, from the spirit and was in this environment alone, separate. But when I reunited with my soul, my inner guide, my higher self, that sadness disappeared. Like that sadness went away every now and again, if I'm kind of going through stuff that could return, but it's usually a sadness that's more associated with other issues, like family type issues. But that but that disconnection, like in those moments when I was a child, it was, it was survival. And that's how a lot of children become empathic and um, can turn into narcissists, like an empath and a narcissist can be very, very close. I, from what I understand, or maybe it's um, a codependent and a narcissist, but anyway, it's like, we disconnect from our soul. It's like, we disconnect from God in some way. And we, we, we feel that we are alone and we don't even realize yeah, just a mental projection. So I don't know how I got onto that, but, oh, through the therapy, therapy really helped heal that because I was no longer alone in my memories. And then it rewrote, it's like those time travel movies. You go back and if you yes. change the past, then you change the trajectory of the future. The future. Like yeah. I went back into my past and I I was I recognized that I was there and I rescued myself in those situations. I gave myself love. I defended myself when no one else did in those situations. And it rewrote my future. It was like as if all of that, like in a movie about time travel, completely changed when the person yeah. comes the present moment it's totally different that's amazing it's so powerful to do that um but did you work through because I did so much also inner child work that I didn't quite realize the inner child also moves to the inner teenager oh yeah well did you have that I I don't know that I heard I don't know that I what am I trying to say I did I did the inner child work because a lot of the things that happened were rooted in my childhood, but I didn't know about teenager. I just know that, um, excuse me, I'm not a, a psychologist, but I do know that we, if we have certain trauma in our youth and if it's, if it's, um, I guess kind of like major trauma, it can kind of stunt our ability to go beyond that age in some mm-hmm. ways in our um, emotional ma- yeah our emotional maturity and I yeah. see that through my whole like t- you know teens and 20s and into my 30s as well yeah like, I was still playing those same like literally playing a role from a movie or something that I saw yeah. thinking this is how an adult responds or this is how I'm supposed to respond to a situation because this oh. is what I saw it in a movie or I'm looking yeah. for a movie to try to help me understand what I feel or a movie yeah. scenario that I can be like oh yeah this is me and this is him or this is them or this is my family you know and it's like I'm trying to resolve the problem through watching a movie or hearing a song yeah. 
you know, it was like, I looked outside for things to help me kind of resonate with and heal, but it, it wasn't until I reunited with myself, with my soul, with my inner higher self, whatever you want to call it, that it, that was started to, to lift. Yeah. It's so powerful. And I think just the, the patience with ourselves as well. I know I had to give myself so much patience, even though years felt like so long. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's been 30 something. Yeah. Well, give it a couple of years. What's the worst that's going to happen? I, I go back. But what's the best thing that could happen? And I remember having these like two polar thoughts of if I'm going to believe the worst case, I have to be able to believe and see the best case. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting the way we have like the, the, the main, like, I guess, I don't know you, the climax of the dark night of the soul, you know, like that climactic moment where things start to change. Yeah. So different for all of us, you know, because that like what you're talking about was, I feel when I hear you say that, I feel like, okay, mine was dark but it felt like it was just like dark the whole time. And then it was like, when this happened, it was just like, God, you're such a loser. It's like, you're going to just drink your life away. You know, you're going to be like this, whatever, you know, I never, I don't remember feeling, I don't know. I want to say, I don't remember. That's not true. Cause it's yeah. something I block. It's definitely something I block and tuck away. But I remember just thinking, I have no desire like anymore I don't know what to do with this Mm -hmm. like why am I even alive like what do I do with this yeah you know and I I would have never like I didn't tell my mom I didn't tell my sister I didn't tell anybody just like feeling that because it's like just a feeling of being just so disappointed yeah with how it's like what you say it's always been there it yeah. always so it's not it didn't feel like a new thing right so people no, it, it just didn't. intensified it just made I think it was like what I said last week it was like it was just like well leading up to it it was like god you are pathetic you know it was like the judgment came out and it was like you are you feel like shit you're you're an idiot how can you do this to yourself like it's disgusting you should be ashamed of yourself and then it was like and in that judgment it's like something came over me that was just like no I'm not I'm not going to be like that I'm not going to talk to myself like that I don't deserve that that I need to love myself and it was like I was saying last time it was like it was like I wasn't suddenly something made me feel like I don't, I don't need to shame you anymore because you've done a really fucking good job of it yourself. Yeah. You know, I just need to love you. Yeah. You know, because I don't think anybody has loved you or you've allowed yourself to be loved up until that moment. Like I need for you to allow yourself to be loved and I'm going to love you. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. It's just like talking about it again, obviously. Like I've moved through that time and I'm so grateful, but it's, you know, talking about it, it does, 
it brings up that time. And it just, I think I get emotional with, I get emotional look, thinking of, like talking through it. I'm trying to find the emotions and mm-hmm. process. But like, I think it's the empathy for my past self. Uh, but like gratitude, but also that I know so many other people feel like this. Oh my God. So many people feel like this. I and mean- it makes, it's just like, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Um, and it's, I'm not even saying like a dark night of soul. I'm just saying the undercurrent of this constant battle with yourself of you are not good enough. You are not worthy. This is not enough. Like mm-hmm. it's exhausting. Um, but that's why so many people get into addictions because that's how you can escape it yeah whether it's it could be so many different types it could be exercise addiction it could be food addiction it could be chemical addictions it could be you know whatever yeah so many so many things to to um eat our feelings you know we can eat all of it hide our feelings to numb our feelings yeah, and I think um, I think face people say this all the time. Like face your fear, face your fear. But I used to visualize myself sitting down at the table and having a conversation with my fear, and then I tell it to fuck off <laughs> in the kindest way. I, I in the kindest way. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew what facing your fear was. Like when I think of facing your fear, I think of like, oh, you're afraid of heights. So challenge yourself by climbing up something and facing your fear, you know, but like, what if your fear is emotional or a memory or, you know, conversations with yourself? It's actually like, be willing to go there, be willing to look yeah. at yourself and see what it is you don't like and and get curious and ask yourself questions and try to figure out why is it you don't like that and where yeah, did that and come it, from exactly and I think it was like last week we were talking about one of my biggest fears was thinking there's something wrong with me I didn't want to even talk about that think about that dig anywhere as to why I think that because right. I believed it with my whole being so I don't want to face it but I remember you don't even want to acknowledge it because no it then it's like maybe it's true then if you just remember hide it somewhere exactly. put it away then you so, know yeah so I remember and I say I tell it to fuck off with I always say you um you face it but I always thank it afterwards in the regard of it felt terrifying to lean into it but once I was allowed myself to move through it through meditation and through processing it I was always grateful because I allowed myself to lean into it mm-hmm. and I was okay. Yeah. At the end of it, I was okay. So I always thank it. So whenever I get fearful now, and it's usually about now the unknown. I mean, for a lot of it, it's the unknown, stepping into the unknown. Um, I know my fear is there is just like this little warning, but I'm thankful for when it shows up because I know the lesson in it is going to be valuable. Yeah. And I think, you know, like just bringing it back to, like manifesting your life, like getting your life where you want it to be. The only way to do that is to go through that dark room of the unknown, be willing to walk into it, be willing to face those things. Because until you do, until you really do, you're 
the creating that you're trying to bring into your life, like what you're trying to create, it can't fully manifest itself. It cannot fully come to fruition because there's always going to be like this something that's keeping this undercurrent. Yeah. This undercurrent. And, you know, to keep bringing it back to food because I keep thinking about food because I also have had issues with food too. Um, like eating disorders too, when I was younger and I still, still try to deal with that. But anyway, bringing it back to food, um, you can do all the workouts you can eat, you know, you can prepare your meals, do the meal prep, have all your, all your meals. You can listen to the positive podcast and you can listen to all the positive music and do the affirmations. But if you're not willing to look at what could be standing in your way, like you think you're, you think you're doing all the right things, but if that undercurrent has never been looked at or loved, yeah, that undercurrent's going to find its way back up. And that is the subconscious mind sabotaging you. So when, you know, all these like weight loss programs and things like that, that promise results, people will get results and then they default back, you know, yeah. and, and it's because the subconscious mind, they've never loved that program or that, or took time to understand where it came from and love that we're talking about inner child or wherever that thing is associated within your personal history and stored yep. within your mind or stored within your basement, as I like to call it. But in there, if that's not being light is not being shined down on that. And there's not love coming in to replace that coming in to flood and fill up that gap. Once you do shine the light on it, once you do, like, I imagine like, uh, getting, um, ugh, why can't I think of the name of it? Not Palo Santo, but sage and going in and saging out that space and clearing it out. You know, when you sage a house, you're supposed to open the windows so that sage can carry out the negative energy, the negative ions. It's the same thing with those memories. You've got to come in and you've got to sweep it clean and then you've got to fill it with love and understanding. And if that doesn't happen, that subconscious mind, that subconscious blueprint, that self-sabotage is going to like work its way back yeah. up and it's going to happen. But there was a, mo and I completely agree with you. I wasn't even aware of it though. I would, I would do exactly what you just said in terms yeah. of my body composition, how I needed to look and control. I thought I needed to control every aspect no, of it the ego trying to control mm -hmm. but, but I had no idea at this point it was my it was just in my mind who I was it's just who I am right but I mean this is what I get back to it's like to create your life to manifest your life it comes down to mindset and that's where this yeah title of this podcast comes from because it's got to be like it's got to start in there in order to, and then with that comes the realization, like there's so many things that unfold just going down that journey that then you realize, oh, and there's an energetic aspect of it. And then there's the mind aspect of it. And then there's the subconscious mind aspect of it. And how does all this affect my energy? And how does all this uh, affect the, what I project out into the world? And how does all this affect the what is reflected back to me, what I am reflecting to the world and what is reflected back to me. But exactly. all of this comes through. Yeah, it's, it's, but, you know, it comes down to having these realizations for yourself and that's what wakes it up.
That's what yes. we up from that slumber. That's why it's yeah. in the morning is the dawn. You wake up the next morning from the sleep, from the slumber. You wipe the crud out of your eyes that had been there for God knows how long, maybe forever. You know, and it's like, I see what's been going on. I don't know everything, but I want to know more. And I want to go on this journey of just changing my life. I want to, that's what, that's part of the reason why I started this podcast, like in 2018, because I wanted to explore it more. It was like, I went through this coaching training. I went through Reiki. I did all these things. And it's like, okay, I'm a spiritual person, but yet I still feel this way, you know, like a regular person in quotate, like air quotation marks, but it's the reality of it, you know? And I love that over, like, as time has moved on, I feel more and more coaches and spiritual, like public figures, whatever you want to call them influencers. I don't know what you want to call it, but they're starting to express their vulnerability and their own struggles. Because I feel like for so long, we had this false image of, oh, spiritual people are supposed to be like, so laid back and so like loving and peaceful. Yeah. Have, That's not authentic. They don't have it's conflict, still human. You know? Yeah. It's, it's just waking up in that dawn and then realizing, okay, this is changing and I'm going to start moving on this journey. Yeah. And, you know, it can be a decade into it and you're still on the same journey. Yeah. I remember saying to you that when I met you and I was like, yeah, so in my mind, my healing will be done in two years. And again, and you're like, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's a, and I, but you will have come again, far, but <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. and that's the grace and compassion of it's a, there's no end and like full stop there. I'm done. That's the yeah. whole, like this whole experience of life, the experience of that's life what it is, is. To just live it. Um, and even though I'm like, yeah, I'm healing. I'm on this journey. I'm moving through it. It's being mindful to not make that your identity now. Do you know what I mean? That's huge. Yeah. Because I don't like to talk. I mean, with the exception of this podcast or conversations that we have, but it's not about like healing all the time. It's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm on the journey, but I also think that, um, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say there, but I was just going to say that, you know, it doesn't have to become a part of your identity because you can get stuck in the healing. Yeah. You have to live and experience. And the more that I move through it, it's like, but again, I think where I thought, I was like, yeah, I fully trust. I fully surrender. You just said it earlier that you're still surrendering. I still find myself having to do that um, and lean into it way more. But I'm not unhappy about it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I think that sometimes we can get stuck in the, the healing journey and it's like, I think I even recorded a podcast, you know, cause I associate so much of my journey with the podcast because it's been around for so long. And I've always communicated like what I was going through throughout this podcast. Yeah. And I remember saying like, I'm tired of feeling bad or sad. Like let's move beyond that. Let's get to a place. Like let's be in that place where we are just enjoying, like, does the conversation have to be about um, overcoming victim mentality and stepping into our power, like where we are empowered and we are no longer victim because we see like our part in it. And yes, this is a controversial thing. And, you know, I was somewhere 
I was somewhere um, like in a public place and I met someone and they were talking about, um, I don't know, it was a channel and he, oh, they were talking about um, Abraham Hicks, which I don't know if mm -hmm. you listen to Abraham Hicks or not, but um, something that they said that they read or heard or found like an old video and they were saying how we're all, um, we are all, um, the creators of our universe and so we are responsible for all the bad things that happen into our in our lives and um i'd never heard that from them but i feel like that's not a very black and white conversation like that's not a black and white statement either that what yeah i you know like for example when you hear about people who are in um like children who suffer and mm -hmm. things like that like the children do not choose to suffer you know, and, um, and they're saying the, this person that you met had said that that's like alluding to like, it was like, Oh my God, we'll create our own suffering or something like that. I don't know. It was just, I just felt like it was more complicated than to say that. And, and that's exactly what I said. I said, well, that's a very complicated thing, you know, to just be black and white. Like, yes, yeah. you're a universe and you create all your suffering. Um, I think it has to be unpacked a lot more than just that. Uh, yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. But on that note, I think that anything else you want to say about your story, Sarah, because I think that many will really resonate with your feeling and thank you for being so open about sharing that. Yeah. I mean, thank you for allowing the space. Um, I think maybe just, I feel like I shared quite a bit but probably nowhere near all of it. Um, I know, right? Yeah. yeah, it feels like that. I think, no, I'm sure um, as we move through it, there'll be more things to share. And afterward, I'm pretty sure there'll be things that come up that we can follow up with further down the line or like any questions or anything. Yeah, so if maybe some of the listening and you have questions, um... You can always reach out. I mean, we don't have an email for Sarah yet, but you can just reach out to Christina at Mindset to Manifestation. But Sarah, if you've got any, you've got your coaching email address. So I will include that in the show notes. If yeah. you want to reach out to you with questions or yeah. if they're interested in coaching and stuff like that too. So we'll in certainly include that. Um, but I think that, I think it's great to express the journey and how you've gotten like this is like part one and as we continue forward with the podcast people will be able to see the part two like where you are now and and the offerings that you have and and yeah like yeah so this was um this was a a very intimate sort of podcast and just like a a, a peak really in Sarah's life and just kind of what the dark night of the soul was like for her we all have our own I think this we all have our own version but the outcome is the same and we all kind of arrive at that same place where we are reunited with the soul and I think that is really I don't know I think there's so much that so many analogies out there of of artistic creation that is really about that even though we think it's about something else and maybe when we're creating we think it's about a love story between so and so and so and so but really it's 
the same journey and the same love story back to ourselves. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. All right, Sarah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all. You want to do our little, our ending? <laughs> what did you just do? Uh, I don't know where that came from. Our little, sending you so much love from New York. One, two, three. Sending you so much. Oh, wait. oh, oh I, no, I, not I Every, we'll get that. We'll get that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be like this. Sending you. The, the, I think you doing it. Okay. One more time. Send, sending you so, so much love from New York City. Sending you so much love from New York City. Bye. Bye.